This is the Employee to Entrepreneur podcast, the show for the family man who aspires to entrepreneurship. So if you want to leave a legacy for your family and teach them to be entrepreneurs themselves, then you're in the right place. I made this podcast for you because I am you. I'm your host, Brendan Ryan. And today I'm joined by Nate, the infinite banking coach. So if you don't know what infinite banking is, we're going to answer that question for you and how powerful of a strategy it can be to either use in your business if you already have one or be able to get you to a place where you can launch a business or buy a business and use this great strategy to launch yourself into entrepreneurship. Nate, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you having me on. So, Nate, you caught my eye on Twitter. We were just talking before the podcast started how much we like that platform. But you caught my eye because you're a father, you're an entrepreneur, you're a Bitcoiner, and you're a proponent of infinite banking, all of which I am as well. So I was like, man, you you are the perfect guy. I got to have you on this podcast because this podcast is made for dadpreneurs, guys that um, have a family and are building a business at the same time. So what made you want to tackle entrepreneurship and parenthood at the same time? Because that is a rare breed. It's a very difficult thing to do both. It is. Um, so growing up, my dad uh, was my hero as a kid. Um, I had a great relationship with my dad. Um, when I was very young, he was working as a corporate uh he was he was in a corporate office for a large um i don't even know what you want to call it but large department store chain is really what it was and so he was in the corporate office and he was gone all the time and uh me and my brother both just got to a point where we were just like missing him like crazy when he was gone and so um one of his dreams was to start his own company, start his own business so that he could spend time with his family and be home. And um, so when I was eight years old in 1989, I know I don't look that old, uh, but when I was eight years old, uh, my dad started his own company. And so he had an athletic shoe store, kind of like a footlocker. And so I grew up in the shoe business and watched him. Um, he, I started working for him when I was in junior high, high school, in college and even a little bit after college. And I was just always drawn to how he was able to control his time because growing up, we got to like summer vacations were a big deal for us. Like every year he was like, all right, we're hitting the road. We're taking a road trip. And because he had good people in place. So uh, that was always a goal of mine is to get to the point where I could create something that gave me the ability to spend more time with my family because just about every other job out there just takes you away from your family. And the idea of being able to <clears throat> control my time and pour back into my family was really important to me. Absolutely, man. I love that. That's my dream as well. And that's one of the many reasons why I think there should be more dadpreneurs, or at least more men who are fathers that should aspire to it, right? So that they can control their own time, kind of control their own fate. And um, that idea, you know, that you you worked in the business and you had that role model is exactly what I want to do for my own kids too. I see that a lot, a lot with... um a lot of entrepreneurs nowadays is that they kind of had, it might not have been their own father, but it might've been like an uncle or a grandfather or somebody that kind of modeled that. And kids pay attention to that. Like they, they definitely pay attention to that. And, and so many of them are like, that's what I want too. Even, even if, by the way, the father, whoever it is, wasn't a successful entrepreneur. I had a guy on my podcast ended up being one of the most popular uh, episodes. And he was talking about how his dad never really made it actually, but he, he really admired how much he hustled and what he was trying to do, you know? So that definitely makes a huge impression on kids, man. So yeah, I I'm right there with you. Absolutely. A hundred percent agree with you there. So what did you learn working for your dad in, in the shoe store? Man, I learned a whole lot. Um, so <laughs> believe it or not, I was a shy kid. And 
uh, the type of business that we had was just a retail shoe store. So people would walk in and you'd have to help them and wait on them. And that was, that was the job. That was the most, that was the biggest part of the job. And so when I went to work for him, like I remember the first person that walked in the door and I'm standing there, this little 14 year old kid, just terrified to talk to him. And my dad's finally like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta say something to him. And, um, so that was the beginning of me really coming out of my shell. Um, and it really just continued to happen more and more. Um, but even when I met my wife, like at, right after I graduated high school, even when I met my wife, there was still uh, a big part of me that was this shy kid. Uh, I really didn't gain a lot of confidence in myself until a couple years into college. Um, so the communication aspect was huge for me, just being able to mix it up with people, um, hear their stories, get to know them and things like that. Because we had a very, very loyal customer base. And so, you know, people would come in and they would ask for me specifically they because they knew me, you know, we had a relationship, things like that. So uh, communication, customer service, things like that, those are like invaluable skills that if you can take those things on, um, they can be applied in so many different aspects of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you say that you learned at least some part of sales doing that? Absolutely. Uh, sales, definitely. And really just what it, you don't truly understand what it takes to be a business owner unless you're actually living it. But I was close enough to my dad that I got to see a lot of what he went through, uh, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And so some of that prepared me for wanting to actually go out and create something, knowing that it's not always going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> roses and rainbows, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, there's <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, well, I mean, it's it's a roller coaster. It really is. Um, and you've got to be prepared for that. And I think a lot of people aren't prepared for that. Whenever they step out on their own, they, they have this idea that, oh man, like I'm, I'm almost like the field of dreams. If I build it, they're going to come, you know, and there's a whole lot more to it than just building it. Yeah. And then people showing up at your door, you, you've got to market and you've got to get out there in front of people and you know, find your ideal clients and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. That's saying, um, if you build it, they will come almost seems I don't want to say outdated, but it definitely doesn't seem maybe as accurate as it used to be. Right. Like you definitely, like you're saying, have to do some marketing, do some sales and all that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I don't think it's ever been easier to do that than it is nowadays. Right. Like you can whip up an LLC through legal zoom, build a website, all that kind of stuff. The, the opportunity is so so ripe right now for entrepreneurship. And it just kills me that I just don't see more people taking advantage of it. Don't get me wrong. The stats say that more and more businesses are opening. Like we definitely had a huge boom during uh, 2020, you know, during the pandemic and everything, everybody was opening up an online business, but um, it hasn't really continued as much as I wish it did. But the reason I asked you about sales in particular is because I like to push sales as like the gateway drug to entrepreneurship. A lot of guys get started in sales, eventually end up building their own business. And really like that's where you have to start. There's a really great book called Ready, Fire, Aim. And it talks specifically about that. Like the first stage of building a business and getting it off the ground is you got to be involved in that sales process, right? Um, You got to get it, get it growing and going. So Nate, tell me about your business. Um, maybe it, do, if you had a business before the one that you have now, um, can you tell me about that as well? Sure. Uh, so my dad passed away from cancer in 2012, and he left his business to me and my brother. Um, now, it was a little bit of a difficult situation because I was three hours away from where the physical location was. And so he and I were trying to run the business together. Um, and we kept it going for about four years, but eventually we just, we shut the doors. Um, there were too, too much to explain, but there were some circumstances beyond our control that we just could not overcome, uh, unfortunately. So anyways, uh, 
that was my first experience with running a business was taking over my dad's business. And then after that, I started a consulting business for residential contractors. Um, it was, it was very, very specific to the, uh, hurricane disaster that happened down here, hurricane Harvey. And I recognized a need that was, in a certain space with residential contractors and flood and all that stuff. And so created this uh, consulting business and the money was really good, but it wasn't anything that I was really passionate about. And so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. Cause I knew that that wasn't, that wasn't it. And I came across this book, uh, becoming your own banker. And uh, that was late 2017, uh, December 2017 is when I read the book, Becoming Your Own Banker, and was just really blown away by the concepts and everything because I was, you know, when I went to school for, for business and finance and everything like that, it was all just the traditional, what everybody else is doing, conventional thinking and um, processes as far as how you make your money grow and all that stuff. And becoming your own banker was just something completely different. Uh, and it, yeah, the first time I read it, it's only a 90 page book. The first time I read it, I went, what the heck did I just read? And so I went back and I had to read it again. The second time I read it, it really started clicking for me. And so I shared it with my buddy, Brandon, who he and I were accountability partners. We grew up together. We've known each other for about 30 years now. Um, so we were accountability partners. We were just holding each other accountable in different areas of our life. Um, we, we both have four kids, so we want to be better fathers. We want to be better husbands. Um, we're both believers, followers of Christ, so we want to be strong in our faith, all those things. And so um, we're talking pretty much daily already, and then I read this book, and I'm like, dude, check this out. And so he reads it. Now, Brandon had a hardcore Dave Ramsey background. Most people know who Dave Ramsey is. Mm -hmm. um, he's very, very, very much the traditionalist when it comes to um, basically paying cash for everything, no debt, all that stuff. Um, and so when Brandon read the book, Become Your Own Banker, it took him a little bit longer to process. But eventually he came back and he's like, man, if this is real, this is crazy. I was like, yeah, that's what I thought, too. So um, we started doing some research and find out that people really are having success with this concept in their life. And then we start digging a little deeper, trying to figure out who do we talk to, like what professionals are out there that we can talk to about this. And we came across this podcast, uh, these two guys out of Kansas, Mike and Chris, and uh, Mike Everett and Chris Bayer, their full names. Um, they had a company called Life Success and Legacy, and that was the name of their podcast. We started listening to their podcast, and we were just really drawn to just their conversation, how matter of fact they were with the concept, you know, they weren't trying to hype it up and make it something that it wasn't. And so we reached out to them and told them, Hey, I think we may have said in the email, Hey, we're these two knuckleheads from Texas who just read this book and we need to know what to do next. So they started teaching us and they helped us get our strategies started for ourselves. And we just, got so fired up about what we were learning that one day me and Brandon were just like, man, if we feel this good about what we're doing, mm -hmm. like, wouldn't it be cool to teach other people how to do the same thing? And so we told Mike and Chris that we were just inspired by what they had taught us and what they had done for us. And we wanted to teach other people and they, they agreed to mentor us. And so they just poured into us for a couple of years as we were building our business. And then uh, one day we, we had a phone call with them. We, we used to talk, you know, every couple of months, um, all four of us together. And that phone call, Mike said, Hey guys, uh, we're kicking y'all out of the nest. And we're like, Oh, okay. He goes, Hey, we can't teach y'all anything else. And then Chris, uh, chimes in a little bit. And he said, in fact, y'all are teaching us stuff now. And we're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so we always pay homage to them. So grateful for those guys. And, we're still incredibly close to them, still love them. They're like family to us. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of our infinite banking business. And Brandon is a middle, had a middle school principal background. 
Uh, he had an education background. He was a middle school principal at the time whenever we started. And I have a ministry background. Uh, I've done, I've been a youth pastor, a music minister, um, even a pastor. And so I have ministry background. He's got uh, his education background. We both had a heart for teaching people and helping people already. And this was just a natural fit for both of us to be able to spread this message to other people and help them and really empower them with what they don't even realize they're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, something I hear a lot of and is, it seems to be such an important part of entrepreneurship is having good mentors like that. Absolutely. So I think anybody listening to this right now is really going to be super curious because I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that about 98% of my listeners have no idea what infinite banking is. So can you give us a rundown of what it is exactly? Sure can. So Nelson Nash, uh, years ago, uh, this guy, he figured out that there was a way to properly structure a dividend-paying whole life insurance policy to create your own private banking system. And so essentially what you're doing is you have the ability to establish a line of credit inside of one of these policies, an increasing line of credit that earns interest even when you're using it for other things, which is incredibly powerful. Um, sometimes I'll tell people, imagine having the ability to earn interest off of your expenses. And they're like, wait a minute, did you did I hear that right? And I'm like, yeah. Um, but that's once you once you understand opportunity costs and how to recover that, it becomes really powerful because then not only are you earning interest off of just money that would be going towards savings and other types of things, but then also the other major purchases that we have in our lives. And so the the idea of creating our own banking system is simply using a similar model to what banks use. Uh, banks use other people's money to create value for themselves. So when we're putting money into these policies, we have the ability to actually borrow against them or collateralize the the money that we put into the policy so that we get uninterrupted growth on the money in the policy and we're using the insurance company's money to create value for ourselves and we get to control the terms as far as how and when we repay those loans back to the insurance company which is really powerful yeah absolutely i think what when i finally clicked for me when i was researching it was when somebody mentioned that you you actually finance everything that you you buy. The, have you heard somebody say that before? Absolutely, we talk about that all the time. So, um, yes, you finance everything in your life, whether you're paying cash for it or not. And and I like to say this is really twofold uh, because on one hand you're always giving up interest somewhere because when you are financing, obviously you're giving up interest to the institution, but even when you're paying cash, you're giving up interest that you could have earned if your money would have been in a better environment. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is you're always making payments to somebody because when you're financing, you're making payments to the bank. When you're paying cash, you are making payments to yourself for a future purchase. So money's got to flow no matter what. And so we just take this idea and understanding of we finance everything in our life and we apply that to the concept of becoming our own banker and what that means. And so that's an incredibly important principle in, in the entire concept is you finance everything in your life and just the recognition that money has to flow no matter what. And someone is always going to be controlling the banking function in your life. It's either going to be somebody else or it's going to be you. But somebody always has to control the banking function. And the power controlling the banking function is what is often missed when people, because you can you can find all kinds of YouTube videos out there about, oh, yeah, infinite banking is, I mean, Dave Ramsey put out a video said infinite banking is a scam. Uh, plain and simple. He put that out there. But no one in personal finance, aside from Nelson Nash, ever pointed out what the power of controlling the banking function actually means in someone's life. Mm -hmm. And everybody else in personal finance that just looks at whole life insurance for what it is, you know, it's, it's an asset that you can, it's life insurance, but it, you, know, you can do other things with it, whatever, but they don't 
Um, they don't apply the concepts of infinite banking and what that actually means. They try to compare it to other asset classes. And you cannot compare a process to another product that's out there. Um, the things that infinite banking creates, the, the certainty with your money, the control of your money, the efficiency of your money, there's not another asset class on the planet that you can do that with. Uh, the ability to borrow from a pool of money and control the terms as far as when and how that money is paid back to the pool of money and keep pressure and momentum on your money to grow uninterrupted. Again, there's nothing on the planet you can do that with. Right. Yeah. I've heard it said that, uh, I think, I mean, it's a common saying that I forget. I mean, it's attributed to like Albert Einstein or something like that, but it's the quote goes something along the lines of compound interest is like the eighth wonder of the world. Right. And infinite banking using whole life insurance policies allows you to actually take advantage of true compound interest over time. And even when you're borrowing against the policy, your your money can still grow in that exponential fashion. Once you start wrapping your head around that, you're like, oh man, this is an incredibly powerful long-term strategy. And so I like to think of it as like a savings account on steroids, right? Mm -hmm. I really wish I got started on this or discovered it uh, sooner. I'm fairly new-ish to it. I got started in, in late 2020. So um, I have a policy with Penn Mutual that I've been doing it with. And it's funny because I actually just took a, um, a loan out against it this last week, right? So it, it does, once you finally start doing it and you use the loans to buy assets so that you can pay yourself back, and you actually start to see it working like on a on just a small level, you know, in the beginning, like I am. You're like, oh, man, this is this is real. Like it actually works. It's, it's pretty cool. So yeah, um, uh, that's, that's something that a lot of people don't fully grasp whenever you start to hear the word loan associated with this. Because every other loan that we've ever made a payment towards went to somebody else. We've never got to experience what it's like to actually make a loan payment back to our own self and the power of what that creates. So, yeah, it, it's pretty cool once you once you take that first policy loan and you're like, oh, this really is what what they said it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there's so much uh, that it takes a while for you to really like wrap your head around like you were saying in the beginning when you first learn it you're like okay i think i kind of get it but you, you have to you have to listen to it again or you have to read it again and it start, starts to finally make sense and you're like wow this is this is crazy uh and for that reason um well i was going to ask you this later but why why do you think this this uh this method isn't more popular if it is so powerful so one reason is mass marketing in the 70s turned people against whole life insurance. <clears throat> because in the 70s, uh, a guy by the name of A.L. Williams, who started a, a big you know, insurance company, a financial services company, A.L. <clears throat> Williams figured out that he could get people out of their whole life insurance policies by convincing them to buy term insurance and then invest the difference in mutual funds, which he had an interest in as well. So he was getting people out of their whole life insurance policies and getting them into term insurance and then having them invest the rest of it into mutual funds, which is where buy term, invest the difference. That's where that term came from. Uh, so mass marketing turned people against whole life insurance back in the 70s. And, and really up until that point, a large percentage of people, when it came to savings, had their money in two places. They had their money in a traditional savings account, or they saved their money inside of whole life insurance policies. Um, one example that's used often is in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, so uh, George Bailey goes to the savings and loan guy, and he says, "You, you basically, you don't have any money, you don't have any assets, and he pulls out his life insurance policy, he says, I have this life insurance policy. Well, 
most people wouldn't consider a, a life insurance policy an asset. Well, it wouldn't consider it an asset, but it is. Um, it, you just have to understand why it's an asset, and, and and a lot of it has to do with the fact that we've just been thinking about it wrong for so long, because a whole life insurance policy is so closely tied to real estate, it's ridiculous. And for somebody who understands real estate, they absolutely need to understand whole life insurance because. <clears throat> You have the death benefit of your whole life insurance policy. That is the value of your asset. And as you're paying into your policy, a portion of that money is going into the cash value portion of the policy, which is the equity inside of the asset. So your cash value in your policy is a portion of the death benefit that is just simply being recognized as present value now. So you look at real estate, You've got the market value of the property, and as you're making payments to, on a mortgage, what are you doing? You're building up equity inside of that mortgage. And just like with anything else that we're building for ourselves, one day it's got to pass on to somebody else. So the death benefit, the, the, and the cool thing about it is, uh, and you've probably seen this on your own policy, it's an increasing death benefit. Your death benefit is actually going up year over year. Um, so with that increasing death benefit, now I have more and more opportunity to pass on something bigger to my family one day. Yeah, exactly. It has cash value. And and so to the point of using it for real estate, I think that is probably the most common combo, right? Is using the whole life value, infinite banking to buy investment properties and then use the cash flow from the investment properties to pay yourself back and then have it keep going, right? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, really incredible ways that you can put it to work. The reason why Nelson Nash named it infinite is because you're only limited by your imagination as far as how you want to use it. Um, but you asked about you know why this isn't more widespread. I actually was reminded of a tweet that I put out that said, you know, Dave Ramsey convinced everybody that whole life insurance was a ripoff and anybody who bought it was an idiot and anybody who's selling it was a scam artist, essentially. And mainstream media gave him a platform to say all that. So mainstream media, those are all publicly traded companies. The last thing that they're ever going to want is for you to divert money away from Wall Street and start empowering yourself by funding your own banking system. They want you to pour as much money like the government, mainstream media. It, 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 it's all supported by our dollars and our automatic 401ks that are being put in um, you know, every month, every week, whatever. So they they don't want people to be empowered um, because <clears throat> just from the mainstream media perspective, uh, and, and empowered people is uh, is a lot more difficult to influence. Um, same same way with the government, you know, and empowered people is a lot more uh, difficult to control. So. Uh, yeah, I, I believe those are the reasons why uh, these things are not as well known. But what we do know is that wealthy families and politicians have been using whole life insurance for a very, very long time in this way. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that, that clicked for me when I was doing my research on infinite banking is the fact that it combines what I said before, compound interest with the idea of the velocity of money, which means you buying assets and then using the cash flow from those assets to buy more assets, right? That's the idea of the velocity of money is kind of using the house's money, if you will, right? You, you buy things that make money and then use that cash flow to buy more things that make money, et cetera. But also the idea of leverage. So it combines all three of these things, right? Compound interest, velocity of money and leverage, especially in real estate, because you're buying real estate oftentimes with a mortgage. So you get to use the bank's money to buy an asset that's worth a heck of a lot more, you know, than, than you're actually putting up the capital for, right? So it's incredibly powerful for, for building wealth for that reason. It's using all three of those vehicles that the richest, smartest people in the world are all using. Yeah, I'll, 
pull this out real quick and just do a visual aid. I got bigger bills, but I'm just going to use a one. How many times or how many things can you do with a dollar? You know, how many things would you want to do with one dollar? Like if I could do more than one thing with a dollar, uh, the example that I used, somebody challenged me one time to explain infinite banking to a five-year-old. Well, five-year-olds don't really understand financial concepts. So how do you explain infinite banking to a five-year-old? This was the idea that I came up with. Let's say you and I are standing outside a convenience store and you said, I'm hungry. I have a dollar in my pocket. I'm going to walk in the store and I'm going to get a candy bar because a candy bar costs a dollar. So you walk in, you get your candy bar, you walk out. And what if I told you that I could walk in that same store just like you did with a dollar, just like you did, and legally walk out with not only a candy bar, but also a Coke and a bag of chips? Obviously, I knew something walking into that store that you didn't know. Obviously, my dollar created more value for me than yours did, simply because you don't have the information that I have. Um, so the idea with infinite banking, and you touched on this already, we just want our dollars to do more than one thing. Because when we're paying cash, as soon as, as soon as we hand that cash over to someone else, we've lost the ability to ever earn interest on it again. What if I can put my money into a system, lock in minimum guarantees on those dollars, and still go out and use them for other things that I need in my life? That becomes incredibly powerful. That means that I have the ability to recover opportunity costs, and opportunity costs is just the hidden cost of everything that we do. It never shows up on our budget or anything like that. But once you start to close the gap on opportunity costs, once you start to fill in these holes, so to speak, you start scooping up dollars that were leaking out of your life that you just didn't even know you were losing. And it's, it's amazing how fast your money starts to grow when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's beautiful. I love that example. Thanks for walking us through that. So the, I know that there's various different strategies to do infinite banking. Do you have one that you like the best or you recommend? Well, we are purists when it comes to the infinite banking concept. And, and simply put, that just means that we stay as closely to Nelson Nash's teaching as we possibly can. Um, so if Nelson wasn't teaching it, it's probably not something that we're going to be recommending to other people. We are authorized practitioners through the Nelson Nash Institute, which means they put their stamp of approval on us that we are teaching the concept in the in the way that Nelson intended. Um, there are a lot of different philosophies out there as far as, I mean, you, you can get into like policy design and things like that. Um, but very simply when we're working with, uh, a customer, working with a client, you know, we're just looking at everything that they're already doing and we're showing them how to maximize the efficiency of their financial life with what they're already doing. So we don't ever get into somebody's budget and tell them to, uh, <laughs> sell the car, eat rice and beans, all those things that Dave Ramsey talks about. We don't ever tell them to do any of that stuff. We just want to look at what they're already doing and show them how to maximize the efficiency of their money. And we have some proprietary software that we use that gives us the ability to actually show scenarios, hypothetically, what it looks like to, to uh, implement the concept in your life. And is that going to create the value that you're looking for? Um, and if it is, so, you know, we, we take you through the education, we show you what it looks like to implement it. And if you see the value in that and you want to work with us, then we come alongside you as your coaches, as well as your agents, and we write your policy and get it set up for you. Um, but there is a lot of different people out there teaching the concept, um, sometimes bastardizing the concept, um, basically just taking a little bit of information and saying, oh yeah, this is infinite banking and that's not really what it's about. So uh, we recommend anybody that you work with, whether it be us or somebody else, go to the Nelson Nash Institute website, infinitebanking.org and search for an authorized practitioner that you wanna work with um, because those are the guys that have gone through the training and those are the ones that um uh should be teaching the concept correctly 
Got it. Okay. That's really good advice. Um, can you use, how would you use infinite banking in business? Can you combine the two? Can you take loans out against your policy to say buy a business? So, uh, the way we do it, um, because not only do we use infinite banking in our personal lives, but we also have policies inside of our business that we're running our revenue through each month. Um, so, in fact, we have six policies right now that we run our revenue through each month. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can uh, utilize a policy inside of your business. There, there's ways that you can use your policy to buy a business because one of the cool things about taking a policy loan, and you know this, is they don't ask you what the loan is for. They don't, they, you don't, you don't have to go through this long application process. They don't even run your credit when you're taking a policy loan. They just send the check. And so whatever you can dream up, whatever you would normally use money for, you just run it through the lens of infinite banking, lock in your minimum guarantees on your dollars, and then go out and have fun and do what you were going to do anyways. Yeah, they don't they don't ask you what it's for. Uh, it doesn't hurt your credit, and you control how you pay it back, what terms you want. You can pay it back over the course of ten years if you want, or twenty years doesn't matter. It's all yep. completely up to you. You're completely in control. It's not like a loan from a bank where there's terms and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And so there's levels to this, right? Like I'm just doing it in my own personal account, but I need to get to that level where I'm, where I have policies in my businesses because that's, that's awesome. That's really cool. So when you're doing that, if you're taking out, um, a, a whole life insurance policy in a business, how, who do you take it out? Do you take it out against yourself or do you need a partner or how does that work? Yeah. So I have a business partner and so we have insurable interests in one another. Um, so we have policies that we own on each other. Um, and then we also have the business owning policies on us, uh, because the business has insurable interest in us. And so we actually, we actually have both. We have policies that we own on one another personally. And then we also have policies that the business owns on us. Interesting. Okay. So you don't even necessarily need a partner then it, you could just be the, the business owns it on you. Yep. Wow. Okay. Cause I was going to say like an easy way to do it would be if, if, you know, if you're a married man, you know, your father with the family and everything, you could have uh, your spouse in there as a member of the LLC or whatever, and you just take it out on each sure. other, but it doesn't even sound like you need to do that then. Right. Yeah, not necessarily. Um, it, re it really just depends on what your goals are as far as what you're wanting to utilize it for and everything like that. Um, but because a whole life insurance policy predates the income tax code, there's a whole lot of things that go along with the whole life insurance policy that do not have to be reported. Um, people laugh when I say this, but my CPA doesn't even know how many whole life insurance policies I own because I don't have to report any of it. Wow. Yeah. That's great for privacy too. You know, that I think that that's something that is being increasingly eroded away, unfortunately, in our modern life is privacy, right? Um, just everybody's online. All, all your stuff is out there with pictures and everything. But uh, for for certain people, that's still really important to have that, that privacy. And um, yeah, that's huge for sure. Well, there's, there's three sort of um, types of tax accounts that, that we participate in. Um, a pre-tax account is stuff that we're getting tax deductions on, like a 401k or something like that, uh, that eventually we're going to have to pay taxes on. Now, uh, a side note, when you're funding a 401k, when you're funding a pre-tax account, you're creating an unknown debt to the government to be determined by them at a later date. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, the second is tax-free. Now, that would be like a Roth IRA or something like that, where it's post-tax. So you pay the taxes up front. You know, it's, it's part of your income tax. But then you get to experience the growth of that tax-free, which is pretty cool. The third is tax-exempt. Now, tax-free 
like a Roth or something like that, even when you, even in retirement years, when you start to draw off of that account, it still has to be reported to the IRS. Um, now you're not paying taxes on it, but they still want to know, like they still, they, they're very interested in the money that you're taking. So it still has to be reported, even though you're getting the tax-free growth off of it. Tax exempt means that even in retirement years, the money that I'm drawing from my policies, I don't have to report any of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. Cause when you're taking a loan out against your policy, you you don't have to pay tax on that loan. Right. Which is another huge thing about it too. Whereas like if you were growing your money, say in the stock market or whatever, and you, you took money out against it, then you have to pay taxes on those gains. So you're, you're avoiding that as well. But yeah, I think the folly a lot of times with the pre-tax accounts, like the 401k that literally pretty much everybody has is this idea that, um, you know, you'll pay taxes on it one day when you retire or whatever, and you actually need that money. But what happens with taxes over time? They go up. They they never go down. <laughs> you know. Yep. So yeah, I mean, ask ask a hundred people if taxes are going to be higher in the future. You know, ninety five of them are, are better are going to say, yeah, probably so. Well, if that's the ca- if that's the case, then what most people are doing is they're paying taxes on the harvest instead of paying taxes on the seed. So that's why we recommend do. Do as much as you can post-tax as possible, because then you're getting all of the known um, things out of the way so that you don't have to worry about the uncertainty of what's to come when taxes inevitably go up. Yeah. Uh, Another thing, like if you just look at your 401k, uh, what a lot of people uh, forget when they're looking at whatever that 401k balance is, is they don't own yeah. They, they don't own as much of that as they think they do, mm-hmm. uh, put it that way. And so, um, you know, the, the ability to uh, control your money in a system like the infinite banking concept inside of a whole life insurance policy, where not only are you keeping pressure on your money to grow, but also simultaneously through funding and financing the major purchases in your life and things like that, essentially earning interest off of even your expenses is really powerful. Um, One of my mentors says, would you rather earn 10% interest on 10% of the money that's going to float through your life? Or would you rather earn 5% 5% interest on 75% of the money that's going to flow through your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. To I mean, it. that's a pretty, pretty obvious answer. Mm-hmm. Um, because over time we have the ability to, to fund and pour more and more of our dollars into our banking system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote by Henry Ford that says that if people really understood the banking system, there'd be a revolution overnight. And I think that does a hundred percent spot on the fractional I've t- reserve. I've tweeted that out before. Yeah. yeah the <laughs> fractional reserve system is, is terrible. <laughs> it's really scary. Honestly, it's a, uh, it, it really is. It's a house of cards, mm-hmm. uh, plain and simple. Yeah. So how would somebody... I think, actually, since you brought that up, I think this is something that's really important for people to understand. So our banking system is set up on this fractional reserve system, which means they essentially just create money out of thin air. Um, Whole life insurance companies, these mutual insurance companies, have been profitable for 120 years in a row or more. And they operate off a cash-for-cash dollar reserve system which means they have minimum requirements that they have to have on hand all times so, so that if a large percentage of their customers die, they can still pay death benefit claims on all those things. They do not fractionalize our money the way banks do. So every dollar you see is a real dollar. It's not a made up dollar or anything like that. Yeah, that's huge. So that's that's more honest banking, right? Like that's how, how everybody, I think actually probably assumes that it works on some level, but it actually doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it should work. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it's the way it should be. Um, so how would somebody, if they were interested in this, how would they get started exactly? So we have an educational course that we put out online several years ago because we we got to the point where we couldn't really keep up with the demand as far as people reaching out to us wanting to learn. So we thought it'd be real simple for people to just kind of go through it on their own schedule. Um, so if you go to our website, unlimitedlifeconcepts.com um, and click on course or un- unlimitedlifeconcepts.com slash course, um, then you can go to the page where uh, the landing page or whatever, where you can learn more about it, um, see what that's all about. We have a little intro video of me and my business partner where we kind of tell a little bit of our story there on the page. But um, that is the gateway to our educational process is going through the course. It's a series of about 30 different videos that we've created. They're little three to five minute videos. So it's not very intimidating, pretty easy to go through. Um, And then also with the course, you get um, the ability to uh, join our Facebook group. Uh, You also have the uh, ability to opt in for a physical copy of Becoming Your Own Banker that we ship out to your door. Um, And then you get access to our calendar where you actually get to set up one-on-one calls uh, with me or someone on our team and actually start learning from, from a an authorized practitioner, you know, a coach that uh, knows this stuff has been doing it a while. So um, all those things right now, the course, as, as we speak today, the the course is $49. Uh, That's a one-time, it's not a monthly fee or anything like that. Um, But uh, brother, for your listeners today, uh, I will give you uh, a code where you can get 50% off of that. Um, so oh, you get dang. it for about 25 bucks. <laughs> dang. So if you use the promo code Nelson Nash, it's all one word, um, it will give you 50% off on the course. And then you can start going through it on your schedule. So less than a tank of gas, you can actually start learning this stuff, get access to our team. And we'll teach you as much as you want to learn um, you're not obligated to work with us. Um, we just love this stuff. We're, we're passionate about what we do. We have a ton of fun doing it. I, I mean, every day I wake up, I'm excited for the people I get to meet and help and all that stuff. So, um, but if you see the value in what we teach you and you want to work with us specifically, then we're happy to work with you as well. Nice. That is awesome. Thanks for offering that to the listeners, man. I really appreciate you. And I hope you guys listening absolutely 100% do take Nate Nate up on that offer because I really think that more people need to be aware of this and need to be doing it. Um, You can use it, right? If you want to jump into entrepreneurship, you can build up that policy, take a loan out against the policy to, to buy a business or buy rental properties, get your own real estate business up and running and all that kind of thing. And I, this isn't a Bitcoin podcast, but I, I am a Bitcoiner, right? And I, I'm, I love Bitcoin. I think it it's, uh, fixes the money, right? It has It's sound money. It has properties of true money. So it fixes the money. And, but it was funny because I probably a year ago or so I saw a tweet about, Oh, it was George Gammon. Actually. I don't know if you're familiar with George Gammon has a great YouTube channel. Um, and he's a, he's a sound money advocate, right? He's a gold and Bitcoin guy. Um, but he, he was asking Bitcoiners like, so Bitcoin might, you know, fix the fiat problem, but how do you fix the fractional reserve problem? Well, this is, this is the answer to that. Right. So that's huge. It's, it's really something important. It it does, it does take a little bit for you to wrap your head around, you know, the first time you hear it, it doesn't maybe click, at least it didn't for me, but eventually it will. You just got to (laughs) keep, keep thinking about it, you know, and once you realize it, it's an incredibly powerful strategy, really proud, powerful strategy. One of the things that is often said in, in our community of practitioners is, um, and I think Nelson Nash even said this himself, is infinite banking is caught more than it is taught. Because eventually something is just going to click and you're just going to be like, oh, like it. And, and it happens different for everybody. Um, a buddy of mine that I've been 
talking to for probably about three years. I went over to his house the other day and because he wanted to ask me some more questions about it. And so we're sitting there talking and he finally asked the right question that he hadn't asked yet. And it was, I don't even remember what it was specifically, but it was a question that he hadn't asked yet. And that was the answer that he needed to where he was like, oh, I get it now. Like it's it's all making sense. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I tell people is, is, is you start learning about this, do not stop learning until you have come to the conclusion that this is the most amazing thing that you've ever seen, or these guys are crazy and they need to leave me alone. Like, like <laughs> you've got, you've got to, you got to pick a side. Um, and, and the reason I say that is because I want people to continue to ask questions until they have come to the conclusion that yes, this is for me or no, this is not for me. Um, because when you ask the right question, you unlock answers that other people may not have ever been privy to. Absolutely. Yeah. They say that the quality of your life can be determined by the quality of questions you ask yourself. And it might even take doing a little bit of math, right? When I when I got into it, um, my insurance broker literally did some math with me on a Zoom call on, on a whiteboard and everything. And that, that wasn't really what clicked for me. What When it clicked was when I realized that you you actually literally do finance everything that you purchase one way or the other, right? Whether you're using cash or actually taking out a loan from the bank, the traditional financing way you, you are paying interest somehow. Right. So yeah. Um, guys, if you're, if you're an aspiring dadpreneur, you got a family out there, you should probably have some life insurance anyway, but this is a great, great strategy that you can use in your business, literally in your business, as we discussed, or to get into business by buying real estate, by buying businesses. So if you're thinking about it, take up Nate on his offer. You can check him. Where can they, where can they find you by the way? Where's the best place? So um, we connected through Twitter. So my Twitter handle is at Chronicles Nate. Um, our website is unlimitedlifeconcepts.com. Um, so those are really the best places to, to find me. Um, if you happen to follow me on Twitter and you heard me, uh, you heard heard me on this podcast, shoot me a DM. Let me know, you know, how you found me. I, I'd love to connect with you and learn more about your story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So guys, if you're listening to this on YouTube, please give the show a like and a subscribe, maybe tell somebody about the show. And if you're thinking about making the leap into entrepreneurship, please join me, join Nate, make the transition from employee to entrepreneur, and we will see you on the other side.